Welcome to the Football Outsiders live stream for February 23rd, 2022. I am Aaron Schatz, the editor-in-chief of footballoutsiders.com and your host for the proceedings. Joined, as always, by Mike Tanier, uh, who is over to what to I believe is my right on the visual. Uh, we are also joined today by the two writers who will be covering the NFC East for Football Outsiders Almanac 2022, and that is Rivers McCown. Hello, Rivers. Hello. And Tom Basinger, who you may remember covering the NFC South the last couple of years, but switching over to the NFC East as he now lives in Philadelphia working for the Inquirer. Yes. Not to yeah, be confused thanks. with the Enquirer, which is in Cincinnati. This is the Inquirer. <laughs> Hey, house. Fill your representing, Tom. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> Some people inquire, other people inquire. So today we're doing our free agency preview for the NFC East. And a reminder that you can like and subscribe to the show. And if you're watching us on YouTube or Twitch, please ask questions and make comments during the show. We love to respond. Uh, if you're listening afterwards on the Football Outsiders Podcast Network, make sure to like the podcast and subscribe so you get all of our feeds. We are going to be doing, this sort of went back and forth last week. We are going to be doing Wednesday and Thursday the next two weeks also so that we cover all the divisions. But next week, Scott Spratt will be your host instead of me because Mike and I will be in beautiful Indianapolis for the Scouting Combine, which as we've been discussing is going to be a balmy 50 degrees with no precipitation for what may be the last combine in Indianapolis. They're going to see us off, right? And people are actually going to be running. They, they resolved uh, the little boycott, and we're actually going to be able to talk to and see some players there. That'll yes, that boycott, the bubble boycott would have been a disaster for the combine if no players would have shown up for interviews and no players would have done anything but medicals. The whole TV show that the NFL would have, wants to put on would have been completely not happening. So uh, I'm glad we got that revolt resolved. No box lunches for the players. They, they, <laughs> they're not going to yeah, have the Salisbury steak and Brussels sprouts and the little brownie, like uh, like the TV dinners I had in 1979. Yeah, I, that's one of the downsides of COVID is more boxed lunches, I think. Hopefully oh. we can get away from that. Uh, all right, so let's take on the AFC East. What's going to go? We're going to go alphabetically since that starts us with the division champion, and we're going to start with the Dallas Cowboys, who are like way over the cap, but can do a lot of restructuring. So Dallas is, according to OverTheCap.com, they are twenty-five million over the cap, but they can be forty-nine million under with simple restructures. They can save $15 million by restructuring Dak Prescott. Yes. Uh, they have to decide, do they want to restructure Demarcus Lawrence? They can save $12 million or I suppose cut him, although I think that's doubtful. No. They can save $8 million by restructuring Tyron Smith. They can save $7 million by restructuring Zach Martin. $9 million by restructuring Zeke Elliott. <laughs> And then the interesting player to talk about, this is a list of their biggest free agents, but I guess the interesting player to talk about is Amari Cooper mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. they can save $12.5 million by restructuring him mm -hmm. or if they cut him before June 1st, $16 million. And if, it's, if they cut him after June 1st, I guess it's $20 million over two years. Yeah. Or they can look for a trade partner because he would have trade value. So there's another option 
in play there for Amari Cooper. And it's, it seems from what I'm hearing, all of those things are on the table right now for, the, for Cooper and the Cowboys. I mean, I think that's the big question is what, if you're the Cowboys, do you consider trading or cutting Cooper? And then you try to re-sign Gallup and now Gallup and Lamb are your top two receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's a mistake. I think Cooper's still really talented. I, I would rather have Cooper than Gallup. Right. But obviously Cooper comes at a higher price. They're going to need a third receiver either way, unless they somehow keep both Cooper and Gallup. And you mentioned the possibility of restructuring Ezekiel Elliott. Sometimes we say these things as if they are (laughs) good ideas. (laughs) When in fact they are terrible ideas, but still ideas that the team could pursue. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like welcome to the, uh, the problem with the Ezekiel Elliott contract where, I believe his cap number is about $12.5 million right now. He's not doing anything significant that Tony Pollard couldn't do cheaper or that they couldn't get elsewhere, but they have to now make the decision whether they eat that this year or actually extend that into future years. They could, I mean, they could conceivably eat it this year. Like you said, they could do other guys, but it's one of those decisions that's now sitting there preventing the Cowboys from being able to say, oh, well, we can bring back our core guys and just make another run at the, uh, you know, run at the Super Bowl very easily. Cedric Wilson, yes. Yes, it's useful titles points out they would likely re-sign Cedric Wilson if they trade or cut Amari Cooper. They have a lot of free agents in the receivers because not only Gallup, mm-hmm. but also Cedric Wilson, Malik Turner, and Noah Brown are all free agents. Um, but then there's other – they have a lot of – if you go to our lads' depth charts where un, unrestricted free agents are red – there's a lot of red on their roster because I didn't even mention here DeMonte Casey and Malik Hooker. So that's their top three safeties are all free agents. And then Keanu Neal is a free agent. So if you complied that with Leighton Vander Esch, that means all of their off-ball linebackers who are not named Micah Parsons are free agents. Connor Williams, one of their depth yep. linemen free agent Ty Nitschke, the sort of backup tackle for the stars who's been around a lot, lots and lots of free agents on here. And again, like you said, a lot of extensions to be done just to get camp cap compliant. So guys are going to go. Dalton Schultz is gone. Um, Randy Gregory is the interesting one because, you know, he's been, I, th- I feel like he's been like on the Cowboys roster since the days of Randy White and Ed Tutal Jones. <laughs> and they're finally getting production out of him. He's gone through all, you know, the personal problems and things like that. And now you've got production for it, and what do you do? I don't know if he's worth, like, a big contract. I don't know if he's going to take an incentive-laden contract, and I don't know what his free agent market's going to be. Yeah, I don't think he's going to have um, much value to the Cowboys at, you know, $7 million a year. When he was on his rookie deal, that was, that was great. That was all nice and, and well done. But uh, now you're starting to look at uh, keeping together basically the band that finished number one in DVOA, and that's never easy. Right. Right. So, you know, and in Gregory's case, you talked about the rookie contract. How much did he really produce on most of that rookie contract? They No, he's been on his second contract because you're you're right. Gregory's been around a long time. He was a rookie in 2015. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my it's goodness. Just because he, because well, he, he was suspended, right? In and out because of yeah, his personal was. problems. We just, yeah. He just hasn't played that much. Yeah, he was he was supposed to replace DeMarcus Ware. DeMarcus Ware is in the Hall of Fame debate now. And Randy Gregory, we're still talking about like sort of almost as if he's a prospect. So I would say he's probably gone. And then we go back to what you said, Gallup versus Cooper versus Brown. The whole 
if I'm the Cowboys, what I want to do is the Bengals thing. I want those three receivers out there and Dak, and I want to go, 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 go. And the moment you start saying we're going to break that up, then I'm not sure what's what's the plan for this team to be a Super Bowl team. They can win this division. What's the plan for this to be a Super Bowl team if they're not this team with this outstanding wide receiving core and offensive line? Well, the interesting thing about Gallup is he tore his ACL in week 17. So right. also also not an easy comeback and kind of depresses that free agent market a little bit. So, you know, is somebody going to give him a prove a deal? Is somebody actually going to invest in them? I don't know. I think that's kind of up in the air for the Cowboys. And right. I think they kind of would prefer to just keep him on like a one year thing. But I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Right. And I guess if they keep him on like a one year thing, he's not coming back till middle of the season. Right. Right. And that's not the kind of thing you can do luxuriously when you're trying to get cap compliant. This is the kind of and thing I, will, I, you're 20 million under the cap. You say, yeah, here's a one year incentive deal to stick around. Cowboys did that in the past with guys. I'm trying to remember the dude's name, but they've kept guys around through that rehab. I don't know if you can do that in this case. I, I, I agree with you about the Elliott contract. We all said it was awful at the time. It's only looks worse in hindsight. It kind of, uh, makes a problem for what they want to do. They absolutely do not like, it would be a very bad thing for them to restructure him and push Elliot money down the line, like right. down the road so that they're paying Elliot two and three years from now. They do not want to do that, but um, yeah, they're paying Elliot. Like they're a team built around the run when they should be exactly what you're saying. A team built around a three wide receiver attack. And the fact that they do have one of the best quarterbacks in the game. Right. I think kind of the grand, uh, cap scheme of things right now is if you don't get rid of Cooper, then you're kind of just trying to get to when Tyron Smith and, and uh, Zach Martin hit their, hit the end of their primes. And at that point you have more money to play with, I think. But at this point, you're just kind of trying to kick the can enough to keep those guys around while they're in their primes. Yeah. It's a Super Bowl window. It is a Super Bowl window for the Cowboys. It feels a little bit like an outside Super Bowl window because they, 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 they trip at the beginning of every playoffs. But that's still it. If you're extending because you're the Cowboys, it makes sense. The question is, can you extend and still be the team that we thought was special this year? And that's a hard yeah. squeeze with what they're doing right now. But part, you know, maybe I'm a little too in love with my own numbers, but I do find the whole like laughing at the Cowboys story to be a little like they lost a close game in the first round of the playoffs. Right. I don't think I'm not a believer in that certain players prove they can't do it in the postseason because players show they can't do it in the postseason until they do it. <laughs> and like, you know, if the Dallas Cowboys can be very, very good again in 2022, I don't think they have less of a chance to win the Super Bowl because Dak Prescott can't do it in the postseason. <laughs> um it's just they, they ran into the best of the wild card teams and they right. lost and they lost a close game to the best of the wild card. San Francisco was the best of the wild card teams. Right. And, I, and I think that narrative would be silly. Oh, they can't do it. There's something wrong with Prescott. There's something wrong with the Cowboys. At the same time, they're not in a position to say, well, we can backslide 10, 15 percent because we've proven. We're right. So they need to be as good as they were last year. Yeah. They need to continue to grow, ideally. And we maybe get a little bit of a false read because it is an easier division from them than we might get from an NFC West team, even with all the statistics. So with that in mind, we have this team has to try to step on the accelerator, so to speak. Yes, useful title agrees with me because, after all, what did Matthew Stafford do in the playoffs until this season? Nothing. 
Yes. And Todd Singer says, off topic, Rivers, I enjoyed your piece on Deshaun Watson from yesterday. Well, I have a feeling we may be discussing Deshaun Watson in about 25 minutes um, wow. when we, we when we play. Let's throw every quarterback at the wall and see what sticks for the Washington Commanders. <laughs> I, I was enjoying talking about real football teams, but okay, I guess we can do that too. <laughs> we, we pulled you back in. We pulled you back into the Texans. Look, look. <laughs> I know that the Washington Commanders sounds like they came from any given Sunday, but they are a real football team. They truly they're, do exist. They're in the oh, USFL. No, was... They just they just drafted uh, Clayton Thorston. <laughs> yeah, did you guys enjoy? Uh, I I have to say that the USFL was very very secretive, and they didn't really release lists of who had signed with the league. I was actually kind of surprised by the quality. I mean, I know that's a weird word to say, but they actually drafted some quarterbacks who were appearing on NFL rosters last year. Like, I mean, not, you know, just barely appearing as like third quarterbacks for three weeks when some guy had COVID, but still like <laughs> from the sound of things, I thought it was going to be like, those guys were all going to wait for the XFL to come back the next year. And that the USFL was going to really be a bunch of nobodies like kid from Occidental college or whatever, but <laughs> Uh, they were actually a little bit, the players are a little bit better known than I expected. I, I mean, I will, I mean, I'm definitely in the uh, belief here. There is no way that more than one spring league can exist. I agree. This model that they're doing where the whole thing is going to be in one city um, in the short term, that's going to keep costs, expenses down. And it's going to create a situation where they can be solvent. On the other hand, that's a short-term solution. If you're telling me, oh, there's a Philadelphia Stars team, but they're in Birmingham, and there's Houston Gamblers, and they're in Birmingham, at some point they've got to expand out from that. And you're right. By the time they expand out from that, they might be facing an XFL that's revitalized. So They, you know. they also very strangely bought the rights to use all these USFL names from mm -hmm. I don't know who owned those rights, uh, and, and yet are doing nothing to connect themselves to USFL history, which, by the way – was 15 years before any of these players were even born. So, I mean, you and I care. Right. But who else remembers the Michigan Panthers with Bobby Hebert and wants to tell <laughs> stories about Randy White, uh, about Reggie White with the Memphis Showboats? And, I mean, we're old people do this stuff. Everything about this league just sort of snuck up and just became real when my eyes are on other things. And I guess one of the things is the AAF and the first XFL – and all these other ones, you get through a season. I heard so many. Th I, I I got I got told to my face lies. <laughs> I got told to my face by important, powerful people lies about some of these leagues about how great they were doing three weeks before they folded. Although, at least in the in the XFL's defense, yes, COVID was a pretty good reason to have yes. to close the shop. Right. That's not the one I was lied to about directly. The AAF was like a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> yes. 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 And I was almost in it. I almost, I almost bought some of the uh, the pyramids. So, uh, yeah, show me, get through a season. Show me Clayton Thorson out there throwing whatever Clayton Thorson's going to throw. And then I'll start buying in. Right. I think the Whoa. Texans have a real chance at the USFL this year. <laughs> The Texans and the Commanders. Well, kid from Occidental College, I think just signed. I, I know Easterby was very high on him. Well, he 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 prays well. He prays well. <laughs> they will always have the thirty for thirty documentary, which was great. 
the Trump uh, one. The yeah. 30 for 30 USFL yeah. documentary for old people like me who remember the USFL does bring home lots of memories. All right, let's move on to the actual National Football League teams and talk about the New York Giants. New York Giants are 24 million over the cap, but can be 18 million under with simple restructures. But that's not that much. If you look at the like simple restructures table and over the cap, like most teams can be a lot, a lot more lower than that than the Giants can. Here's um, the, thing, the Giants stink. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, they do. Okay. So the first thing I would say about the Giants is the the new management is really promising. Yes. Right. Like guy from the Bills. That's promising. GM, you know, Joe, Joe Shane, Brian Dable, that's promising. Mike Kafka, Don Martindale, that's good. Mm-hmm. Like coaching staff is promising. Um, the the free agents are mostly people who I can't imagine they're going to have a hard time saying goodbye to because they're basically rebuilding this team. So like, oh, Will Hernandez never lived up to his draft status. Goodbye. Nate Solder is old. Goodbye. Um Evan Ingram never quite lived up to his draft status. Goodbye. Um, <laughs> James Bradbury is $22 million against the cap. Good chance he's going to get cut. Sterling Shepard is $12.5 million against the cap. Has a torn Achilles. Good chance he's going to get cut. So the, the biggest question, I guess, is what do they do about Daniel Jones and do they hand him the fifth-year option? Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely one of the one of the big questions. And I think, you know, the the uh, I think the Giants have done a really good job of um, being honest about where they're at and and kind of keeping uh, expectations um, realistic, uh, maybe even low. <laughs> um, you know, this is this is clearly a, a real rebuilding year, even if they won't you know, come right out and say that, uh, you know, the general manager, uh, Shane, Joe Shane, you know, has, has said, uh, you probably heard him say this a, a couple of times now, we're, we're going to compete for today, build for tomorrow. Um, now, uh, as for Daniel Jones, you know, I, I don't know that you can, um, that the, that the move is to, to pick up that, that fifth year option right now. I think it's, it's more of a wait and see uh, approach because he's on his, uh, I think Dable's his third head coach, right? Third head coach. And is this his, uh, you know, fourth uh, offensive system? I think so. So, you know, and, and he hasn't had an offensive line and he still might not this year, um, you know, looking, looking at their, um the roster right now you know i think the only guy you can pencil in is andrew thomas at, at left tackle uh so you know i think it's really been hard to ev- evaluate daniel jones and then you 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 had uh he had the neck injury last season so i i think you know given you know where they're at in their contention cycle um i think it's more of a wait and see with daniel jones you know you kind of get the house in order if he turns out to you know if they're able to work some magic with him at this point great you know uh then then you re-up when the time comes but um you know given um given the state of things i think i think i think you just kind of wait it out a little bit and let things play out 
I think if you think there's a chance you can work the magic, then you pick up the fifth year option. Uh, because you want that sort of flexibility where you have, oh, he started to play good. We've got one more year of control over this situation. Not, oh, he's just started to be good. We're heading for free agency. And I'll tell you who thinks they can work the magic. It's John Mara. This is going to be sort of a political move. Why I think I, my personal gut is that Sheen, Sheen and um, Dable would love to move on first chance they get. Looks like ownership is invested in uh, Daniel Jones. They talked themselves into thinking him, him as the next Eli. They, uh, they meddle a little more than they claim to meddle. Uh, there. And I think at the very least, from a political standpoint, fifth-year option is going to get picked up. He'll enter the season as a starter. And all the things you said then are true. Hey, maybe we had a false read on how good he was because of that line and Garrett and Judge, et cetera, et cetera. And then they take it from there. It looks like the fifth-year option is $21.3 million projection. So that's not like a terrible contract for a one-year for a quarterback. No. No, no. And it'll be in 2023 when there's more cap space and they'll have cleaned up some of the things we're talking about cap wise here. So it's like, Oh, if we got to punt on that or eat it, we'll punt on it and eat it. That's better than saying, Hey, we actually did catch lightning in a bottle here. Now we got to put, now we have to put a free agent uh, contract on the board for him. I'd have to go look in the past to see if there's comparables to Daniel Jones, who did suddenly yeah. take a huge leap forward in year four, mm -hmm. but I don't really remember. He, you know, you know, my usual talking point is anybody who's below replacement level in their first two years, that's it. They're done. Like right. it's it's very, very rare. Like Alex Smith is like the right. one guy who became like a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback after being below replacement level for two years. Josh Allen is close because he was kind of at replacement level in year two. Mm -hmm. But, you know, th those those things are really rare. With Daniel Jones, you have a guy who is below replacement level for his first two years and then at replacement level in year three. Right. So I feel like, like, what's the best that Daniel Jones can be? Like, average. Like, he's right. going to be in, like, the best is that he would be, like, the 15th or 16th best quarterback in the league. Like, right. if you're Brian Dable, don't you want to move on from that and try to get something better? I That's just, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, but not if it's a fight with your owner. No. <laughs> not if it's a fight you with your owner. You probably knew that when you got hot. You probably knew what that you know, right. Dable knows what Mara wants because, right. you know, he wouldn't have taken the job unless he knew what he wanted. Yeah. And, and he also knows Jones is not going to be a human headache in there or anything like that. So while they're going through this, he's got somebody who's going to be professional on and off the field. So you know. useful title brings up Drew Brees as a guy who blossomed in year four, but Drew Brees um, he was, was really good in year two. Yeah, got hurt. He was really good in year two. Then he went down in year three, and then he went way up in year four. So Breeze doesn't quite fit as a model because he was pretty good in his second starting season. It's which kind I of a, it's kind of an interesting. Uh, go ahead, finish. No, so no, I, I was just going to say that uh, you know, um, to to Aaron's point, you know, if if Daniel Jones is somewhere around the average, the fifteenth, sixteenth best quarterback, you know, uh, granted. You know, a fifth-year option at, at twenty-one million dollars doesn't seem like a whole lot, but you you really don't want to. Um, one of the worst things I think you can do is is overpay for mediocrity at the quarterback position. Right. Um, so, you know, um, I'm in 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 camp. Uh, move on. Whether whether or not, to Mike's point, you know, uh, ownership will will meddle in that decision uh, remains to be seen. Right. 
Todd Singer points out that Rich Gannon blossomed late. Yeah. That's a little different because that's not a guy who sucked for three years and then blossomed. That's a guy who didn't play <laughs> yeah. for four or five years yeah. and then blossomed. I mean, they were going to, Gannon is an interesting story because they wanted to change his position. The Patriots yeah. wanted to make him a defensive back. Um, Joey Suck says, are the Maras willing to spend when they need to? They're, they're 23 million over the cap. They just spent last year. <laughs> they spent on Joey Gallo. Boy, what did they get for it? Oh, it was so good. Right. They'll spend. The thing is, it was Gettleman, uh, you know, doing the shopping, and he was throwing all kinds of weird goodies into the cart. Uh, and you also asked, are they linked to anyone like Jimmy G or Kirk? Not at this time. Talk about like spending for mediocrity, like Tom, Tom said. You could spend one year for another year of Daniel Jones's pro probable mediocrity, or you could just go down that. And I'll tell you right now, I don't think anybody in the organization would be excited about bringing in Jimmy G or Kirk uh, for the Giants. And the other thing, yeah, Jimmy G or Kirk makes sense for teams where it's like they feel like they've got a whole team and the quarterback is just a black hole. And if they could yeah. just get average performance there, something good would happen. And the Giants do not have a whole team right now. Um, no. The other interesting discussion is whether they would trade Saquon Barkley and would anybody want him at this point? Yeah, for who, for what? I mean, they, I think Giants fans would like to trade Saquon Barkley for what they think he's worth. But I think that they would be surprised that a fifth-year running back on his fifth-year contract coming out there when two, he's in two seasons has not been useful in any way. And the season before that, he was merely okay. I don't think there's a market for that. Uh, off topic, but like I see Carolina Panthers fans in their quest for a quarterback saying, oh, we'll trade the number one and we'll throw – Christian McCaffrey into the trading pool. I don't think anybody's that excited about Christian McCaffrey in a trade. So, but McCaffrey would still be a step above Saquon Barkley in a trade because I don't think he's as beaten up or as one-dimensional potentially as Saquon. Yes. Interestingly, when they we whenever they give these big contracts, second contracts to running backs, and Barkley hasn't gotten the second contract yet, so he doesn't qualify for this. But whenever they give a big second contract to running backs. And we have the argument about, oh, analytics says don't do this. And other people are like, well, this running back is special. This running back is special. The trade market never seems to suggest that certain running backs are special because those guys always then when they get to the trade market, it's like, hey, would you like a sixth round pick? I mean, mm -hmm. you know. well, you could be David Johnson. I, I was waiting. I was <laughs> waiting for David Johnson. What was it? A second and a third? Third a or second. Fourth? It was uh, David Johnson and second for Hopkins. Yeah. OK, what about Duke Johnson? Duke was a third. Okay. What about Darren Johnson? <laughs> what about Darren Johnson? We'll find out this year. Um, I want to say the one thing about uh, Saquon that's interesting to me. Typically, we talk about how you got to separate running backs from their context. Uh, and so, yeah, in that case, you can make the point that, yeah, Barkley uh, didn't play very well, but his line was weird or, you know, Daniel Jones is there. And then so he got hurt. And But Devontae Booker actually had a higher DVOA than Saquon Barkley last year. It wasn't really close either. It was like negative five to negative 14. So that's kind of also interesting to me. You know, and, and you don't have to uh, trade him right now. You can you can wait. Um, but the thing is, you know, their offensive line situation, as, as we uh, as we talked about earlier, you know, you could have as many as four new starters there. I don't know that you can count on his trade value increasing if you hold on to him and and maybe trading him at the at the at the deadline. So um, you 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 may um, you might just run it back with uh, with Saquon this year. 
Right. What, 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 what would you trade him for? What would it, what would it take to trade him if he were the Giants? He's not worth it. If you some if at the deadline the Rams decide this is our over the top guy for this year, they have to throw a fourth round pick at you. I guess you take that at that point for eight games. Yeah. Yeah. I think what you would what you would want in return for him, you're not gonna get. And what you would get, you would rather just have him. Right. Right. I think you could realistically get a third from somebody desperate. That's about it though. Well, as Joey Sex Joey Sucks points out, Pete Carroll always wants another running back. Yes, so. yes, he'll be in the six man committee. Perfect. <laughs> uh, all right, let's go to a team you guys know very well, and that is the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, we're going in alphabetical order. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles are currently ten million under the cap and forty two million under with simple restructures. Uh, their main free agents are Jason Kelsey possibly retiring and yes. then like their secondary or a lot of their secondary. Mm -hmm. The couple of like, like let's preview the Eagles articles that I found online to prep for the show were like, will the Eagles pursue a veteran quarterback? Aren't mm -hmm. they kind of okay, like solid with Jalen Hurts at this point? I, I can't imagine them pursuing a, even yeah, Tom, Wilson or Rogers. Tom, I'm sure you've heard the rumors that they've had the phones ringing, right? Yeah, Abby, that's, uh, you know, this, uh, for the past few months, all, all, all that we've talked about in Philadelphia are, are Jalen Hurts and Ben Simmons. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got uh, rid and, of one of them, so. Yeah, right. Uh, ben Simmons is gone, but, you know, Jalen Hurts, the, the thing with Jalen Hurts is, you know, he's much more likable, you know? Uh, <laughs> it's as as basketball wins, so, you know. <laughs> That's a, low bar, yeah. That's a low bar, Tom. That's a low bar. You know, uh, but uh, you know, Jalen Hurts is a is a guy that that you can root for. You know, when when fans fall over a fence at a field, he'll pick them up. Take a look at Matt Stafford. He just walks away. Oh God! Oh, we're going there. <laughs> so, so you know, Jalen Hurts is. But the the thing with Hurts is, you know, and I don't think the Eagles are. I think the Eagles are going to be. Um, very kind of sober in their analysis of uh, of Hurts. I don't think they're going to overreact to that last playoff game, but I don't think they're going to overreact to the second half of the season either. Um, you know, I think if an opportunity presents itself, Russell right. Wilson becomes available, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson even becomes available. You know, I, I think there's there's reason to believe that they pursued Watson last offseason. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you know, I think they'll they'll explore it. Uh, they certainly have the capital to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't know that the roster, uh, is good enough, uh, for them to pursue, uh, maybe, maybe Deshaun Watson makes a little bit more sense because you might have a, a, a bigger window with him. Yeah. Uh, but of course they're, they're, you know, that comes with a whole nother, uh, set of issues, you know, Russell Wilson, maybe, um, you know, but the, I think the window is shorter there. So, you know, if the thing is, you know, they, they, they have the draft capital, but do you, I generally don't like the deals where you're giving up premium picks and also paying the guy like a free agent. I think you can do one or the other, but when you do both, I think that's a, that's a, that's a recipe for, for really, if it doesn't work, if it works great. Right. Uh, you can you can you can win a Super Bowl like like the Rams did with uh, with Stafford, but I don't think 
I don't think this uh, this Eagles team is is anywhere close to what the Rams were before they pulled off the trade for Stafford. No. So, you know, I think you know I think it probably makes sense to keep Hertz and and build out the rest of the roster. You know, I think, but you know, there's a there may be a ceiling there, and I don't know that um, there's. I don't know that I saw enough to make me think that that Hertz is going to make this this big leap in in his third year. Um, he just uh, he seems you know skittish in the pocket, uh, even when it's clean. Doesn't you know he he makes some tight uh, window throws, but but probably not enough. Uh, you don't see him throwing a whole lot of guys open. I just um, I don't think he's. You know, if I had to, if I have to, if I had to decide today, I don't think he's their long-term answer. Probably more of a stopgap. Right. I think if they make that, if they make one of those trades, they will have worked the uh, offer down to the bone. Because, you know, how he's very good at that. These trade offers come and, and he gets the absolute best value. I don't know what that means for Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson. I, I mean, Russell Wilson has got to be two of the first round picks plus something else. Maybe you can work the mighty Texans down to something else to get to Sean Watson as they have to get some value at this point, but that's the way it's going to be. So if they do this deal, I don't think it's going to be, well, we got rid of all three number ones and next year's number one. Like I saw some crazy stuff. I should trade four number ones for him. This team is not built <laughs> to be able to do that and, and to succeed afterwards because they need some of this draft capital to actually make upgrades elsewhere. Well, the major thing about Watson right now is, is that he's still got that no trade clause and he already reportedly vetoed a deal to the Eagles last yeah. offseason. So at this point, you're like, we're all trying to figure out, OK, so he's not going to the Dolphins anymore. So where does he want to play? And right. there's been almost no guidance on that from him publicly or through any kind of sources. So could he go to the Eagles? Maybe. But like, we don't actually know if he wants to go there. Do the Eagles have an adept at Chaplin to throw in for Watson? No, Todd, we traded him to Indianapolis last year. <laughs> oh. You know, that you know, and, and the other thing is, you know, I think the Eagles are still kind of working themselves. They they did a very good job of it last offseason, but still kind of working themselves out of this Carson Wentz mess. You know, you know, to begin the, the picks they gave up to get him to begin with. And then, you know, all of the, the dead money that they had to eat last offseason. So I still think they're kind of working through this. They're trying to kind of thread this this uh, this needle between rebuilding and and competing. And right. they've they've done a decent job of it so far. But, you know, I I I think the Eagles would tell you, you know, uh, if if you look at last season, it was it was very encouraging to see them go from two and five to nine and eight, make the playoffs. They exceeded a lot of expectations. It was a fun, exciting run, but I think you saw the difference in the playoffs between where the, where the Eagles are and a team right. like the Bucks uh, with Tom Brady, just how, how far they have to go yet. Brian, come on. They need to take a first round ride, wide receiver, Brian. They do. Just they actually not, do. Just not <laughs> right they do. Just <laughs> the reader, that's all. <laughs> Mike, Mike Kurt says, isn't it a little hard to evaluate a quarterback with only two reliable pass catchers, one yes. of who was a rookie and the other is a tight end who is best outside the numbers? Yep. Yeah. That's why it Tom is. and I are like, eh, like we're like trying to figure out what we saw. And I think a lot of people in Philly are trying to figure out what we saw last year. 
And and, and well, they're behind a good offensive line, so he did have that going for him. Good good offensive line, good running game. Um, one terrible wide receiver, no number three wide receiver to speak of. Best wide receivers, you know, weighs less than my 15-year-old son, although he's a heck of a player. A lot of things there that we're trying to triangulate as we determine whether Jalen Hurts is the future. So if you if you say, hey, Jalen Hurts is scrambly Garoppolo, I might say, yeah, scrambly Garoppolo sounds pretty good. Let's build around that. You say, uh, as Tom said, like there's a very limited ceiling here. There's a chance to bring in Deshaun Watson. There's a logic to that too. There's a it's lot a- of mo- I was going to say there's a lot of mock drafts that want to give a linebacker to the Eagles, but we know the Eagles don't take linebackers in the first round. They're going to take a wide receiver. We're just one we're of just those. Troll- we're just trolling the fans. We all know the fans want to read it. I said that in my mock draft. I'm just doing. Yo, this- oh, you you at least admitted it. Other mock drafts. <laughs> <laughs> They have so many other needs. I just I, I I can't see them using one of those uh, three first round picks on uh, on a linebacker. Um, maybe 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 in the second round. Um, but I think it's been a while since they've even gone um, gone linebacker in the second round. And I think yeah. that was Michael Kendricks a few years yep. back, and that that didn't turn out well. They they just don't invest much at that position, nor should they. I mean, when you've got needs at edge rusher. Uh, and uh, secondary. I mean, they're, they've got to totally remake their secondary. You've got, yeah. you've got Brandon Graham, who's in his 30s, Fletcher Cox, mm-hmm. who's in his 30s, uh, Darius Slay, uh, he's 31 or 32. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you've, you've got many other needs to address before you get to linebacker. Nakobe Dean, though. <laughs> I, see, I see your argument and raise you nicobe dean though anyway the you, dean though dot 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 though <laughs> t-h-o dot 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 yes yes exactly <laughs> one, thing I'll say, one thing i'll say about the eagles when people talk about kicking the can down the line and extending the contracts and what you can do with simple extensions the eagles are sort of on the tail end of that like you mentioned they can still do some simple extensions but for players like lane johnson and fletcher cox They've done all the extensions they can, and so they're at the end of this. So they, they have cap room a little bit, but they at the same time, they still have this older roster, and you're still trying to fit things in just so because of some of the things you did in 2019, 2020, 2021 to keep the team together and, and to pay for that Wentz contract, et cetera, et cetera. If they're going to bring in a veteran free agent, if they sign somebody, do you think they're more likely to sign a receiver, a defensive end, or a, or, or a cornerback or safety? Because obviously, you know, the way it works is you got to do free agency first and then the draft. We're all like draft, 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 but we don't know what free agents are going where yet. So. Right. My my guess would be, uh, given how, um, you know, you're you're losing, you know, three of your starters in the secondary – my guess would be that they uh, check off at least one of those boxes mm-hmm. uh, in free agency, maybe with like a probably not a, a you know a premium top of the line safety, maybe somebody in in kind of the, your your second tier, that second wave of free agency, um, because as Mike said, you know they they're about average uh, in the middle of pack in, in terms of cap room, but you know there's not a whole lot that they can do to open up more room. So I think they'll be doing some. You know, they won't be doing bargain shopping like the uh, like the Giants, um, you know, but, you know, they're they're probably not going to be able to land those those top uh, top shelf free agents. And there's edge rushers in the draft. You can get edge rushers in this draft. So 
Yeah. CO the legend says, as an Eagles fan, I think that Allen Robinson would be a perfect signing, a veteran at wide receiver as opposed to another draft pick. I also think they could very much use a big body possession style receiver, very different than Devontae Smith. But I mean, we've talked about this before. Robinson looked like he was just cooked last year. Like I know some of that might just be that Chicago was a soul sucking hellhole. And <laughs> yes. Yes. But- <laughs> you know, you think, oh, big body possession style receiver. What a great help for a rookie quarterback. He was not a great help for a rookie quarterback at all. Do you know that um, the Eagles will still be paying for Alshon Jeffrey in 2022? I thought I Alshon didn't. Jeffrey retired the moment after the Super Bowl. I honestly <laughs> did. I know he was on the roster for three more years and played like six games, but uh, that was a big body possession receiver. And of course, he did play well. But uh, yeah, again, I like I like what you're saying. I like Alan Robinson in theory, but agree with Aaron 100%. I'm worried. I'd have to have the guy in for an interview and be like, "Where, where's your head at at this point after all those years in Chicago? You know, one one thing as I was uh, prepping for the show uh, that that stood out to me, uh, I mean, and this just kind of kind of blew my mind. I mean, it makes makes sense, you know, once once I think about it, but it really kind of gets to to what the, the Eagles need to do this offseason uh, and what maybe why they can't afford to go after um, you know, uh, a Russell Wilson or a Deshaun Watson. Take a guess at how many players they've drafted in the top 100 defensive players they've drafted in top 100 since 2018. Ooh, three. Lower. Two. Lower. <laughs> they've drafted one, uh, and that was that was last year. Milton Milton Williams, who looks looks like a a, a decent. Um, you know, defensive tackle at uh, at number seventy three last year. Wow. You know, part of that is you know the the you know they gave up a lot of picks to to get Wentz right. Uh, they gave up a lot of future capital, but but yeah, one player in the one defensive player in the top one hundred. I mean, so which kind of explains right? Yeah. Why, um, why they had uh, as many issues as they did on defense last year? They were. They were good at keeping limiting the explosive plays. I think uh, only only a couple of other teams allowed uh, fewer gains of twenty or more yards. But you know, high completion percentage. I mean, teams were able to move the ball as, especially the uh, the better quarterbacks, move the ball as they pleased. They just weren't able to affect the quarterback. I think they were they were among the fewest in in quarterback hits. So um, you know, they've they've got to do something. Uh, uh, you know, I, I would think this has to be uh, a defensive focused um, off season, but I, I, you know, I don't know that Roseman and the Eagles can help themselves. If uh, well, if, I mean, uh, they're going to need a receiver. Absolutely, they could do veteran receiver, and then just the draft could be very defensive focused. Certainly, Nicobe Dean. Uh, all right, let's move on to the Washington Commanders. That is a real NFL team. Uh we have a list of their top free agents, but I apologize. I left Bobby McCain, safety Bobby McCain, off this list. And Bobby McCain actually like led the league, uh, led the team in defensive snaps last year. So that was a real oversight by me. But obviously, like you know, with all respect to Bobby McCain, there's one major free agent here, and that is Brandon Scherf. Uh, Washington is $27 million of effective cap space, $64 million with the simple restructures. The problem with Scherf is that he's missed 22 games over the last four years, and he turns 31 next season. Yep. Uh, 
Um, so it's like, do they want to sign him to a big long-term deal or do you let him go and find someone younger and be, focus on the future? I feel like he's gone. I feel like historically they've moved on for better or for worse. Even when it wasn't a good idea, they've moved on players of his age, his injury level on the offensive line. And that frees up those millions for doing some of the work they have to do, like figuring out what they're doing at quarterback. Yeah, they got decent play from uh, his backup, Wes uh, Schweitzer. I hope I said that name right. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I think that they'll probably move on from Sheriff. I think the only guy on this list who they have a big interest in keeping is McKissick, who they've already been kind of leaking out. Oh, we like this guy a lot. We want to resign him. Right. And that shouldn't cost much. Yeah. It better not cost much. Humphreys <laughs> is part of like, there's a number of wide receiver free agents, but there's also a number of wide receivers like staying behind. Like they'll still have McClure and they'll still have Dynamy Brown, the third round pick from last year. Yep. Curtis Samuel, if he can get healthy. Antonio Gandy Golden, although he's never really done anything since they drafted him. They'll have wide receivers around. So I feel like they don't really need, you know, what they could draft another third or fourth round wide receiver and then they'll be fine yeah, at the yeah. position. I think Cam um, Sims is a free agent too, and he did a little bit last year. He's he's somebody yes. that could consider re-signing. Um, but other so other than you know, I mean, I think in quarterback, it's like Ryan Fitzpatrick. This may be Ryan Fitzpatrick's time to finally walk off into the sunset. They'll just leave Heineke at the quarterback position, unless <laughs> right, either they draft somebody and they're in a the right position to be the first team to take a quarterback, or, yeah. um, you know. I could see them trying to go make a big splash for a veteran with the idea of, first of all, despite what happened to our defense last year, there still is tons and tons of talent, especially yep. in the front four. Our def- We should have the kind of defense where if you, you, you take a veteran quarterback and you put him with Terry McLaurin in this defense, like you can really make a run. Plus I wonder if there's a feeling of like, let's go make a big splash because we have a new name and a new logo and we're trying to sell tickets and all that stuff. Yeah. And that splash's name is Jimmy Garoppolo. That's going to get people <laughs> rushing out to buy their commandos jerseys, but it's, it's not just that, but it's Ron, Ron Rivera's year three. And the idea that you're going to draft from this quarterback class and start a quarterback rebuild in year three, that's really not ideal timing. So, you know, I think, I think they were building, so they would be able to add the quarterback. It looks like their cap situation is in place to add the quarterback. And now we've got to figure out which of these less than ideal solutions is going to end up being one of the commanders. <laughs> Very damn yeah, it, it's still weird to say that. I, You know, Garoppolo obviously makes a lot of sense, right. but... I mean, then, you know, again, the same the same problem that you have with Garoppolo, which is like, what is the ceiling? I don't think... Washington has enough other talent or scheming mm-hmm. like San Francisco does to where Garoppolo could lead them to a Super Bowl, right? Like the stuff surrounding Garoppolo in San Francisco was better than the stuff surrounding him in Washington would be. Yeah. Although you could say if Samuel gets healthy, he's a yak guy, short pass. Yes. Yak guy. Tonio Gibson is a yak guy coming out of the backfield. So you have that, you have a go-to guy in, uh, in McLaurin, you can add these other yak guys. So you can do some of that stuff. Maybe you do keep Scherf so you can build that strong offensive line. I don't think it's a brilliant strategy, but it's hard to come up with a strategy for this team 
that makes them anything more than a front four that has a lot invested in it and didn't play well last year with just a bunch of stuff attached to it. Like I, I mean, don't the, front, what... the front four still played well, I think. It's the secondary yeah. was terrible. Right. Right. Well, you reached uh... the point where the front four just couldn't do enough because it's like somebody's going to get open. So play max protect and wait for Chase Young to get hurt, and then you can get you can just you can win, you know? Yeah. To spoil my uh, the upcoming bold moves piece a little bit, um, I think they should double dip a quarterback this year. I think they should trade for somebody like Garoppolo and draft somebody in the second round or Ooh. maybe the first round myself to pick. Ooh, have anybody in mind? I, I know, but they they've been there's they're hot and heavy on Kenny Pickett as far as I can tell. So I think that's where they want to end up. I don't think they're going to get there if they trade their first round pick in any way, but. Um, Is- I Isn't like this trading for Garoppolo and drafting Kenny Pickett just having the same guy twice. I mean, but you got to have a solution, right? <laughs> you got to have a plan here. They it's are the, kind it's, of, most, it's the most important position in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of similar. I can kind of see that in part because both of them are like, eh. I mean, as opposed to Mount Malik Willis, Malik Willis is yeah. the Dave, you know, Dave Kingman. Yes. You know, it's nothing but home runs and strikeouts. Like, Let's see if we can Josh Allen this guy. I just mixed my metaphors between sports, but you get my basic idea here. Dave Kingman just showed up on the podcast. Yeah, Dave I'm blown away. With the chat. I love it. I almost went with Rob Deere. Uh, <laughs> Who was that guy for the uh, Reds a couple of years back? Uh, oh, Adam Dunn. Adam Dunn. Adam Dunn. Yes. Yes. But. I mean, I'm, 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 I guess I'm on team Willis just because I feel like, and it's weird because I'm the one who keeps saying um, Josh Allen was a black swan. It's not going to happen again. Don't keep drafting guys like him expecting it to happen again. Right. But if you want to take the chance that it's going to happen, I mean, (laughs) uh, you know, it's better to take the chance that that's going to happen again than to get somebody mediocre. Malik Willis is your guy. Big guy. Runs well, throws hard, has a good head on his shoulders. I mean, that's that's not ludicrous to to try to do something with. But you're right. If you bring him in and say, "Oh, here's the starting job," you're going to have one of these guys who throws 20 interceptions and and gets sacked 65 times as a as a rookie. You need a bridge quarterback. I mean, I, theoretically, Heineke could be that bridge quarterback. I just, how long are we going to wait for the Commanders to be anything? Well, that's the thing. Is like you said, Ron Rivera is in year yeah. three. Ron Rivera does not want to wait for Malik Willis to develop or for Kenny Pickett to develop. He wants to win now. Right, right. And what a place to be at this point because I don't think they're going to be – they would get vetoed. Wilson would veto Washington in a second. You know, like Deshaun Watson I don't think has – that would be – Deshaun Watson in Washington, oh, my God. But, like, that, <laughs> he, he would veto – yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, no, the mix of Deshaun Watson's – legal problems and the specific legal problems of the Washington uh, football team, AKA the commanders is not a good combination. That would be bad. It would be very on brand though. You have to give them that. Yeah. It would be very sad. Like it's, that's a brand you're avoiding. Um, But I will see what they will see what they do at quarterback. I mean, otherwise they don't, I mean, other than Scherf and the quarterback situation, there's not a lot. I mean, David Mayo, you know, yeah, that's yeah. cool, but you know, th- that's replaceable. Not right. a big, huge loss. Um, but um, 
and and with Bobby McCain, they've they've got other safeties. It's really sh- the Scherf situation and the quarterback yep. situation. And that's that's what's going on for Washington. Right, and this and this listless feeling that I don't know what the direction is. Yeah. Um, and and you know that that's a problem because as Tom said earlier, we saw how far the bar was from the Eagles to the elite teams in the NFC. Well, there's a bar from Washington to the Eagles. And if we don't start like crossing that soon, what are we doing? Yeah. I feel like we've been writing that 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 same thing you just said, the, the lack of direction since yeah. Snyder took over. <laughs> that's a that's a Snyder classic, right? Yes. Yeah. Just, you know, we paid guys a couple of years ago and now we're waiting for those contracts to settle. So we pay the next set of guys. Didn't Rivers, didn't you didn't you write a Washington chapter for the book one year that was nothing but quotes from past Washington chapters that were <laughs> No, that wasn't me. That was something I think that, that we're just we've just been saying the same thing about Washington for 19 years. Yes. Like, I mean, gosh, I, I, I wrote the choose your own adventure one for them. Yeah, that was another that was another <laughs> good well, Washington chapters come out pretty good. <laughs> All right. That does it for the show, folks. Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. Uh, thank you for commenting. Uh, Thank you for being part of the live stream. Thank you for listening afterwards on the Football Outsiders Podcast Network. We really appreciate it. Uh, Thank you to Tom Basinger. Thank you to Rivers. Thank you to Mike uh, Tanier slash Tanier slash however we're going to pronounce your name from now on. Um, (laughs) Tomorrow, we will be back at 1 p.m. Eastern with Brian Knowles talking about the NFC South. Get all your hot and heavy uh, Blaine Gabbert discussion oh, tomorrow. It's going to be a cap war. Me and Brian, we're having a cap war. We're going to bring uh, the Saints uh, fans in, Falcons fans, we're having a cap war. Are we doing a meetup event in Indianapolis? Not this year. Uh, we, I didn't decide until the very last minute to even go. So Mike and I will be around for a couple of days, but we're not even fully crossing over with each other. And then right. – um, if Peter King has something, which I think is questionable, dubious, follow Peter King. I often end up at that at Sun King Brewery in uh, in Indianapolis. But we're not sure because obviously everything is catch as catch cat. Yeah, we're not quite sure how this is going to work this year. Like it's more open than last year when we didn't really have – we didn't all go to the Combine, but it's not going to be like years past quite. It's going to be weird. I'm not sure. All right, uh, so tomorrow, Brian Knowles, 1 p.m. Eastern, NFC South. Splash play Friday at 2.30, I believe. And uh, we will talk to you guys tomorrow. Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. Take care.